So I always love getting to talk with Ileana Oris Valiente. She is a brilliant consultant. And the the way that her mind works, the frameworks that she is able to come up with, not only for clients, but to understand things herself, to help people, to be present, to have conversations, it's, it's just really exciting. And the other thing that I like about Ileana as a journalist, and then perhaps this is a little bit selfish, but she always makes time for journalists. She talks to people. She's willing to share insights. She's willing to make connections. And it's funny, a lot of people talk about wanting press, but they're not very nice to the individuals who can help them. And, and maybe that's just me uh, with a bit of a chip on my shoulder, so I digress. But Ileana is always a pleasure to talk to, and she's lived around the world. Uh, we've interacted multiple times because of her, her work in blockchain. I used to work in the blockchain space. It's one of the startups that I worked at before I founded Pulse Blueprint, and we always had really nice conversations. So when I got to sit down with her and talk about innovation and talk about processing innovation and, and turning innovation into a process, not just oh, let's talk about being innovative and how that's important and how that's where the future of the world is going, but actually distilling it down and saying, okay, you know, you're a global consultant. You help huge companies innovate. How do you do that? And how can someone with a smaller company, let's say a sole proprietor, a freelancer, a side hustler even, all the way up to the big global firms that she talks to and the governments that she talks to. How can you innovate? Is there a consistent process? And to my surprise, she actually said yes. And I'm thinking, okay, fair. I guess I did ask that. Um, what is this process? And, you know, in classic consultant fashion, it was a simple three-step process. And I like the way that she talked about this because it, it organizes thoughts really well. It gets things going. You take action, but it's thoughtful action. And she understood the caveats. So I want to go a little more in depth. There's one quote in the article here about that process. And I wanted to use this commentary to explain a bit more of the rest of the conversation that we had, you know, the information that you wouldn't know if you weren't in the room. So the first step she talks about is recognizing that the status quo is not sustainable indefinitely in most cases. Um, you want to spend time looking at emerging trends. And it's interesting because that nice, succinct quote is a good high level. But what we also talked about was how the status quo can sometimes be part of your innovation. You don't necessarily have to throw out everything you do. You can look at the way that you're doing something and maybe just improve one element of it. So there's a bit of a diagnostic to this. It isn't just you know, waking up one day realizing that the, the current way is crap and you need a new way. And that's, that's innovation. It is thinking about the context of your status quo. You know, we talk a lot about how lawyers are going to get disrupted and about how consultants, even Eliana might get disrupted. Um, but you have to think of the way that the relationships work and the way that the industry currently functions and its support functions, because you might have a new innovative way to do law, but if the court system doesn't understand it, if no lawyers understand it and no people understand it, well, then you're not going to really have that much to do. So looking at status quo and recognizing it's not enough is also that context. 
The second thing she said, spend time regrouping with, you know, managing your organization to think about the art of the possible. Now, the art of the possible is one of Accenture's catchphrases. It's the uh, tagline of their innovation practice, which Ileana runs. Um, and, and it's a good one. I like it because it opens the conversation to, well, you know, maybe we could do this. And who knows, maybe this is an option. And that open brainstorming, that open-mindedness, that growth mindset that she's talking about is really, really important. So when you're doing this, though, it isn't going to be all brand new ideas, pie in the sky, we're going to change the world. Again, you think about your context, but also it's, it's fair to disagree with some of these ideas. You know, there can definitely be an issue in the innovation economy, to use a buzzword, where people almost feel they're not allowed to say no. Or in some rooms, they're literally not allowed to say no. And I think that's fantastic for improv. But sometimes having a principled objection to something can lead to an innovation. And this is actually a, a quote that I got from Satish Kanwar, who is a senior executive at Shopify, another fantastic company that, uh, you know, constraints breed creativity. So when you're innovating, when you're thinking about that art of the possible, it's okay to have a constraint. You want to definitely try some pie in the sky, uh, you know, good rhyme there, just because you never know what's possible and you don't want to limit yourself. But once you're done your big brainstorming, you can bring that back down to reality. In fact, you have to for step three, which I'm going to talk about in a minute. You have to think, what are the constraints? You know, if you have 10 customers, how reasonable do you think it is that you're going to build a product for 20 million customers next year? It could happen, you know, art of the possible, but you have to pay attention to the context of your market to the context of your support systems, and also to the general limitations of your company. Those limitations can be innovated around. You can be creative around them. If you have a budget problem, there are ways around it. If you have a personnel problem, there are ways around it. But acknowledging those obstacles is part of this regrouping and innovative process. The third one, she says, start. Simply start. And we talked a little bit about this because I asked her, you know, you can't really mess up your business as usual. And if you're in any environment that is regulated, or if you have customer data concerns, you can't just go messing around with that. And even if you are in the service world, people expect you to deliver what you say you're going to deliver. You can't go messing around with that. So how can you do that? How can you just start? And I liked the way she explained this to me. Some of it made it in the article, but some of it didn't. We talked about the prototype, obviously the, the, the minimum viable product or the minimum lovable product or the simple, lovable, complete version. By the way, if you Google any of those phrases, you'll come up with articles explaining what those are and how you can do them for your organization if what I just said makes absolutely no sense. But you also want to talk about prototyping your audience, because if you're a company known for top-tier value, then when you try something new that's likely to break or not work or you need constant feedback, it's not even fully complete yet, you're going to need to show it to people who are aware of that context and who are willing to give what you need, whether that's feedback, patience, etc. 
even if you're in the bargain shopping space, if you are the organization that wins on volume and maybe not price, then you need to understand what you're delivering in the market and who wants to pay attention to that. Who are your early adopters? So just start doesn't necessarily mean put something in the market, hope for the best, and you know look at data and look at sales. It is look at who is apt to want this. Why are we building this? Uh, which again goes back to your context a little. But then also developing prototype versions of everything. Sometimes that's what's called a sandbox environment where you just invite a select group of people. Sometimes that's a, a smaller version. You know, if you want to build a five-feature product, maybe you launch with only one feature to see if people like it. And that's also just figuring out your feedback loop. So making sure that what you need to get out of this test, prototype, experiment, innovation, whatever you want to call it, is good feedback to make sure that it's something the market really wants. Then you have that built in. So I want that was a little more context that I wanted to give on the innovative process because there is a lot more to it than simply innovating. You know, there's a lot more to it than, oh, I have a problem, my colleagues agree we have a problem, and we're going to start solving it. I hope you enjoy reading this article. I hope that this commentary was helpful for you to get a bit more context on what someone like Ileana, who helps companies of all sizes grow and innovate, would suggest for this innovation process. And I hope you enjoy the rest of the content on this site, both the written and the commentary and everything else. If you have a question, comment, uh, or, or want to give a shout out, you can leave a comment here on the blog, or you can reach us on social. We are at Pulse Blueprint on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn.